And then this morning, we're going to look at an important thing, because last week, we were doing Disciple Now Collide Weekend. Our students had a great weekend, a wonderful time. Uh, It was good. You you can get more excited about that if you want, uh, because our students did have a great time uh, learning about Uh, what it means uh, to experience freedom. And so today, as as we look at Hebrews chapter 8, we're going to be in Hebrews all the way kind of at the back of the Bible. Uh, We're going to look at this idea of a new covenant. And normally uh, we participate, we receive the Lord's Supper on the fifth Sunday when we have a fifth Sunday in the month. And we do have one of those in January. That's next week. But because of the way the sermon series worked out, uh, I thought it was appropriate for us to participate in the Lord's Supper today uh, in this idea of new covenant. And so at the end of the service, we'll do that. And then afterwards, uh, as you're leaving today, or those of you watching online, uh, you can do this online. We take up a benevolence offering every time we receive the Lord's Supper. So at the exits, uh, you'll see some baskets there if you want to uh, contribute to help those in our congregation uh, who are suffering, who are in need uh, physically during this time. And so today, as we look at this idea of new covenant, we're going to see how Jesus... It is a better sacrifice. Uh, He's a better promise. Uh, He's a better covenant than the old covenant that God had. Uh, As we think about our Old Testament, uh, that Jesus brings a new covenant, a once and for all covenant as our high priest. And so if you've got your Bible open, Hebrews 8, we're going to read actually the whole chapter today, uh, but we're going to start in verses 1 through 7. And so if you'll read along with me. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifice. Thus, it is necessary for the priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since he, since it is enacted on a better promise for does that first for that, if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. The writer of Hebrews spends several chapters here, kind of chapter eight is in the middle uh, of this Uh, explanation of the high priest and Jesus as our high priest. Now, you may wonder uh, what exactly is a high priest? What do they look like? What do they do? Because we all have this very uh, European probably image of Jesus with his long flowing hair, the white robe and the cool sandals. But a high priest probably looked something like this uh, in the Old Testament. He had a very ornate, 
uh, robe. Uh, he wore uh, kind of a turban on his head. There was a plate, a breastplate with jewels on the front. It was very extensive, very ornate. And that was what he would wear when he was going to make offerings and sacrifices uh, for the sins of the people. In contrast, Jesus was a humble carpenter who probably did wear a very basic uh, robe, garment, tunic, and sandals if he wore shoes at all, uh, all the time. And you see the contrast even in how they look, how they were dressed, the difference between the high priest of the law and the high priest Jesus who is the new covenant. And so as we think about the new covenant made in Jesus, this agreement that God makes with us, that's what a covenant is. It's an agreement made an unbreakable agreement. And God makes this covenant with us. And chapter eight is helping us in Hebrews, chapter eight is helping us understand the difference between that old covenant and the new covenant that God establishes through Jesus. And he begins this chapter with helping us see that Jesus, the true high priest, is sitting down. He's sitting down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven He's sitting down. And, and as we consider the work of the high priest who would go in and make sacrifice, make offerings time after time after time, this is a signal to the readers then and should be a signal to us that Jesus' work as high priest is finished. Because you don't sit down until the work is done. You keep going. And Jesus' work is finished. His work on the cross completed the job. That's why he said in his last breath, it is finished. The debt has been paid. It's done. It's over. My work in establishing the new covenant is complete. And so he can sit down at the right hand of the father, unlike the Old Testament priests who constantly had to stand, their task was never finished. It was always incomplete, but our ultimate high priest Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the father. And so let me remind you today, this is a day about remembering, about being reminded of the power that set us free, to be reminded about the, the good that was done for us. Let me remind you that the work needed for your salvation is finished. The work needed for your salvation is done, complete. Jesus paid it. He handled it. He finished it. He offered himself. He gave his life as a sacrifice, a once and for all sacrifice, so that you and I might have relationship with our heavenly father. So that those walls would be broken between us. His work is finished. And not just that, not just as his work finished, but what he did, his work, his sacrifice was a better sacrifice than the Old Testament priests. It was better because of who he is. He is the son of the most high God. He is God in the flesh. He is the word become flesh as we read at the beginning of the book of John. He's perfect. He's God incarnate. That means in the flesh. That's who he is. And so he has a better sacrifice because of who he is. The perfect son of God. Those Old Testament priests, though devoted, though set apart, though of a priestly order, were still fallible humans. 
still frail. But Jesus offers a better sacrifice because of who he is and what he did. He gave himself. The other priests could not do that. They could not give themselves. Only he could give himself. And they had to continually offer and work and give. And Jesus gave once. Those Old Testament offerings were a shadow, as the writer says, a shadow, a copy of the true sacrifice. They were important, right? They were crucial. They were vital to the, to the Old Testament understanding, to the nation of Israel understanding their relationship with God. It was critical that those priests carried out that tradition, that ritual, that, that sacrifice, the atonement, right? The penalty for the people's sin. It was important. It was crucial, but it was never complete. It was not fully effective, and as I think about that, and as I was preparing for this week on Wednesday, I, I had this brilliant idea for me. And for those, those ideas are usually very simple. And this is a simple one. On Wednesday, every Wednesday, I have the opportunity to do something, or I delegate that opportunity occasionally to someone in my family. And that's take out the trash. Every Wednesday, and Saturday also, uh, if you live in my part of Friendswood, you're a Wednesday, Saturday family too. Some of you are Tuesday, Friday, Monday, Thursday. Some of you are one day a week. You know, you just have to, you know, endure the burden one day a week. But I thought about this as I took out the trash on Wednesday. I thought, you know, this is effective work. We're getting rid of the trash in my house. So that our house doesn't stink. It doesn't smell. It's not bad. We're getting rid of it. But on Saturday, I'm going to have to do this again or delegate to someone else. And if we're really good, if we're really good, I won't have to do it on Saturday. I'll get to wait till the following Wednesday because we're so eco-friendly. And we didn't create a bunch of trash. But I know that it's never going to go past the next day. It's either going to be Wednesday and Saturday or Wednesday to Wednesday or Saturday. I'm never going to make it past one week. Never. But it doesn't mean I just give up and quit and say, oh, I'm not taking the trash out anymore. Because I never have to end. So I want to encourage you. The next time you take the trash out, remember that our work is effective, but not complete. The sacrifice of Jesus, his death on the cross, took out our trash once and for all, never again. He offered a better sacrifice, a better sacrifice. And Jesus offers a better covenant. The old covenant between God and Israel was important. It was important for God and it was important for the nation of Israel. But unfortunately, it didn't succeed. It didn't succeed not because God broke the covenant. No, because the nation of Israel broke the covenant. They turned their backs on him. They turned their back on God. Because that's the, the challenge for all of us. Because the covenant, based on the law that he had given them, the Ten Commandments, that covenant 
is wonderful. It's great. It, it, it helps us see how to stay straight. The problem is the law only confirms my sin. It doesn't give me the power to take it away and it doesn't have the power to take it away. The law confirms my sin, but it doesn't have the power to take away my sin. When I read, have no other God before me, I understand what that means. But I don't have the power just in that statement to not allow money or prestige or something else to get above God, my own family. When it says do not bear false witness, I understand what that means. But it doesn't give me the power to tell the truth all the time. That's the problem with the law, the old covenant. And the nation of Israel rejected God's covenant because they had no power. And so they sacrificed those animals to atone for that sin. And, and as the writer of Hebrews here is sharing this about our high priest and the better covenant that Jesus offered, this better promise that he says in verses six and seven, the, remi the writer reminds us and his early readers about the prophet Jeremiah. And what the prophet Jeremiah looked forward to one day, something different, a different type of covenant. So let's pick it up in verse eight. After he says that first covenant had some faults in it, there was some faults in it because we had to have a second covenant. For he finds fault, verse eight, with them when he says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. That's important. It's always us. And so I showed, them no, I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they will not teach each other, one his neighbor and each one his brother saying, know the Lord for they all shall all, for they shall all know me. There's no reason to teach each other because we'll already know from the least of them to the greatest for I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember them, no, their sins no more. As he quotes from Jeremiah 31, he speaks to this future covenant. And he speaks to the, the faultiness of that old covenant because People don't have the power. We don't have the power to obey the law on our own. We recognize the law. We, we know it. We can even memorize it. But we don't have the power to obey the law fully all the time. And so we reject the covenant that God offered us. The nation of Israel rejected that covenant because they lacked the power. They lacked the desire to follow the law. And so God established a new covenant. 
And that new covenant is Jesus. He offers the new covenant. And that's what verse six is about, this new covenant. Because Jesus is the mediator. He's the go-between. He's the one to come between the sinfulness of man and a holy, righteous God. He mediates that. And he offers us a new covenant. A new covenant that gives us three things. It gives me power. This covenant gives me power. The old covenant didn't give me power. It just gave me knowledge, information. This new covenant gives me power. It gives me the power to conquer sin and death because the spirit of God lives in me. Because I I receive by faith the covenant that God established with me through Jesus. And he gives me a new relationship, a personal relationship with my heavenly father, right? He mediates that. He brings us together. And then most importantly, he grants me forgiveness of my sin forever, permanently. Not just for a year, not just for a week, not just for a day. No, my sin is forgiven forever. He remembers my iniquity no more. He remembers my sin no more. And so this new covenant that Jesus offers is very different than the old covenant. His new covenant applies to all people, not just the nation of Israel. Jeremiah uses the phrase house of Israel in his statement. And and we might think, oh, house of Israel, he's thinking about God's chosen people, the nation of Israel. But in reality, that phrase is a more general phrase, a broad phrase that really extends to all people, not just the nation of Israel. And so he's going to establish a new covenant with all people. Thank God that you and I are included in that because most of us, I don't think, are Jewish by birth. We're Gentiles. And so he offers a covenant, a new covenant to me. And that covenant is not about external works. It's not about obeying the law. It's not about making a sacrifice every week or every month or every year. No, that new covenant is an internal covenant, an internal transformation. As he says, I will write it on their minds. I will write it on their hearts. This new covenant established in Jesus is one that transforms us from the inside out, that our heart and our soul, and our mind, and our strength are changed forever. It's a covenant of faith, not a covenant of works. It's a covenant of faith. And that internal transformation gives me power. And it gives me a relationship with my heavenly father. I now have a strong relationship with God. As Jeremiah declares that God says, I will be their God and they will be my people. You and I, because of the covenant established in Jesus, get to know God personally. We understand our heavenly father and how much he loves us and how much he cares for us. And we get to experience the forgiveness of sin. And so today, as you and I are reminded of the love that God has for us, a a love so great that he would give his only son to die a once and for all death so that we might have power, so that we might have a relationship with him, so that we might be overcomers, that we would overcome sin and death. So we no longer have to live in mediocrity. So we no longer have to wonder if I've done enough good stuff. 
I don't have to wonder about that. I don't have to worry about that. Because I live in power and love and grace. I live in forgiveness. I live in new every day. Because of the covenant that Jesus established for me. And so the writer of Hebrews, after he says all this, after he recounts this story from Jeremiah, this writing from Jeremiah, he says, in speaking of a new covenant, verse 13, he makes the first one obsolete. It's no longer needed. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish. I don't need the old covenant The logical conclusion for me is that Jesus is the way, the only way. That old way is gone, the new has come, and so my faith must be in him, the best high priest, the best sacrifice, the best covenant. That's what I'm gonna put my faith in. And today, we pause to remember what that took. We pause to remember what that means. We pause to remember the new covenant. A new covenant, though 2,000 year years old, never fades, never becomes obsolete, never is watered down, never is old. It remains constant and true. And so it's up to us to respond to that new covenant to say, yes, Jesus, I believe that you are my high priest, the one who gave all that he had, gave all that you are, so that I might be forgiven of my sin and receive the power over sin and death, resurrection power through your blood and through your life. And that's what we remember today When we look at this cup and this bread, that's what we look at. And so I want to invite you to grab the cup. And as you do, if you'll very carefully peel off that top layer that exposes what we're going to call bread for today. Those of you at home, I invite you just to get your bread and your element ready. And I want to read for us. As you're doing that, I want to read for us the passage out of Luke 22, the Passover meal that Jesus institutes this remembrance, what we call the Lord's Supper. So that we, as we listen to the, as you listen to these words, I I want to encourage you uh, to meditate on the scripture, to, to remember that if you have a relationship with Jesus, you're welcome to participate in this moment. If you are not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Christ, I, I would ask that you would uh, pass, that you would refrain. But this is a moment for us to reflect on the power uh, of Jesus' sacrifice for us personally. So I invite you to remember that day when you step from death to life. For me, it was February of 1985. And so I want to encourage you to remember that day when you recognize for the first time the new covenant that Jesus offered you and be encouraged to keep that covenant new and fresh. Listen as I read from Luke 22. And when the hour came, 
he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is finished, until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now I'd invite you to slowly and carefully making that beautifully awkward sound. Open the cup. And then he said this. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus is our new covenant. The sacrifice that he made on the cross the shed blood that covers our sin gives us hope, gives us new life. It makes us a new creation. It puts the song in our hearts. And one day, it'll give us the opportunity to experience a new heaven and a new earth. And so I wanna pray for us as we continue to worship today that we would understand today more fully how much our Heavenly Father loves us.